Well, Shabbat Shalom, and I'll also say thank you, uh, and Shana Tova Umetuka. <laughs> May you have a good and sweet new year. Our year begins Sunday night at sunset, and uh, will be the year 5777. That is 5,777 years since creation, according to the Jewish calculation. Um, you'll notice if you have one of those King James Bibles, the older Bibles, we'll find that some of them in the marginal notes will say that the world was created in the year 4,023 BCE or BC. Um, somewhat similar, pretty close. We know that the world has not been around, at least in its present form, for that long. And we were reminded as Joel read to us the Devar Torah and the Parsha today of God's sovereignty over time, God's sovereignty in his dealings with the world and with the Jewish people through whom he intended the good news of Messiah to come to the world. And so we are at an auspicious time at the new year when maybe it's a good point of time for us to begin to think about the sovereignty of God. After all, as we blow the shofar, as we are going to do after the sermon, as we blow the shofar, we are in part proclaiming the sovereignty of God. Just as a king is crowned and um, given his position of authority, even today, with the sound of the trumpet. It is a reminder that a king is on the throne. And as we look at world history, we can see that a king is on the throne, that there is one who rules over all history. I'd like to, this morning, ask you to turn to the book of Colossians chapter 2. In Colossians chapter 2, we see the sovereignty and the greatness of our Lord, our God. Years ago, I was quite uh, chuffed, we would say in England maybe, quite pleased to see that there had been an ancient Jewish community in China. And I know I'll mispronounce the name of the town, but in Kaifeng, there had been a community for many, many years and that community had its own Torah scrolls. It had its descendants who still strongly felt their Jewish connection, a sign that our people truly had traveled around the world in what, to the European world, was the Middle Ages. Of course, the Far East never had a Middle Ages. That's a European um, invention and part of history. Recently, I was also pleased to find out that there were Christians in China from the year 578 at least and on for some centuries. And I recently got a book via interlibrary loan written by a Japanese scholar in English recording the history and the documents of this ancient community in China. 
communities, I should say, as they were in various places in that great country. And one might wonder what happened to this ancient Christian community of which nothing remains today except its relics and some manuscripts. And we know that the community suffered persecution and eventually disappeared. And we might say, how could that be? And people in that day and age might have said, this is a huge tragedy. And the believers might have said, "Um, has God forsaken this place? And yet, if they were to see in God's time scale, if they were to see what God's plan was in the long history of our world, or very short from his point of view, God certainly had a plan for the Far East, where today there are many Christians, many hundreds of millions of believers in a place where Before, there were just thousands or tens of thousands. And we are reminded that we, with our short-term vision, we don't see the big picture. God certainly has a plan for the world. He certainly does intend to bring great blessing. Countries such as Turkey, where once the seven churches of the book of Revelation once dwelt, and now are overwhelmingly Muslim, and have very few believers in them today. Nevertheless, have not seen the end of the story. God is the God of all history. God is the God who is going to bring from every nation great delegations to Jerusalem someday to worship the king at the Feast of Tabernacles year by year. Our God is a great and sovereign God. And when we look at the book of Colossians chapter 2, we see Rav Shaul speaking to the people in the city of Colossae and reminding them of how God is sovereign over all. He is, maybe in the, in the words of the Lord's Prayer, the God of heaven above. He is also the God who is sovereign in the affairs of our world, and in the ways in which we conduct ourselves. In other words, just as we pray, may your will be done on earth below, just as in heaven above. This is the earth below. And thirdly, God is sovereign in his ability and his power to reach down and transform our lives and to bring us into not simply a saving relationship, that would save us from hell, as some people would see it. And, and I do remember one dear lady, a friend in England, who said, isn't that what the good news is, that we believe in, in Jesus and we are saved from hell? But actually, God's plan is so much greater than that. God's plan is so much more for us and for the world. It is a plan that involves the complete renovation of this world that we live in today. And so I'd like to start at Colossians chapter 2 and verse 6, where we read, Therefore, as you received Messiah Yeshua as Lord, so continue to walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in your faith, just as you were taught overflowing with thankfulness. 
See that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deception, according to the tradition of men and the basic principles of the world, rather than Messiah. For all the fullness of deity lives bodily in him, and in him you have been filled to fullness. He is the head over every ruler and authority that is. We are reminded of the sovereignty and the power of our Messiah, in whom the fullness of God dwelt bodily. And we are reminded as we come to this new year, and as we hear the shofar blown, admittedly in anticipation of that day which will begin tomorrow night. As we hear the shofar blown, we are reminded that this is a time at which we seek to renew our commitment to God. We seek to renew our devotion to God and to walk with Him. So just as you received Messiah as Lord, so continue to walk in Him. Our people around the world are, are at this time saying slichot and are recounting the sins in which we have embroiled ourselves. We have all fallen short in many ways, as Isaiah the prophet would say, all we like sheep have gone astray. And we're very aware of our weaknesses, and we're very aware of our failings at this time of year. But at the same time, as we are aware of that, we are aware that God is king, that he is ruler over all, and that he does see the big picture. And whereas we tend to get mired in our present circumstance and our present feelings and our present disadvantages and, and, and failings, while we may get mired in those, God is still king. He is still on the throne. And we can remind ourselves that there is a great plan, that God does intend to finish the work that he began in us, and to bring it to completion. And I find that a tremendously encouraging thing. Um, as you know, I'm, I'm working on a PhD dissertation, and I'm at that point where it's, it's just a grind. And it's very, very discouraging at times when you're in the middle of it and you're just facing more writing and more papers and more presentations and, and the rest. And, and struggling to make sense out of what you're writing and hoping that someone else maybe will when they come to read it and grade it. In the midst of that, God willing, there is an end. And when we keep the end in sight in our lives, in whatever that challenge is that we face, we can find the strength to go on. And this is what Rav Shaul is saying to the people in Colossae. They are a congregation or group of home congregations in this city where maybe they have become discouraged over time. Maybe, as Rav Shaul is hinting in the next few verses, they are getting distracted by various things that would send them in different directions and would, would take their eyes off the goal. And Rav Shaul says, 
Keep your eyes focused. Keep your eyes focused on Messiah, Yeshua. Just as you have received him, so continue to walk in him. And that's a word for us. Just as I received him, so continue to walk in him. I've got a dear friend, Rob, who uh, years ago came to know the Lord, long before I knew him. And I remember him going through a point in life when his attachment to the Lord was getting very weak. Then there came the day when I was talking to him, and he says, you know, recently I've been thinking about how I came to the Lord. What a miracle it was that day. And how he spoke to my situation in this amazing way, and I knew it could be none other than him. And I realized he is real. He was reminded of this fact, just as he received the Lord. Now he was willing and ready to continue to walk in him. We can be rooted and built in him, built up in him, and established in our faith. Our Messiah is Lord of all, and we need to keep our focus on him. In verses 11 to 13, We also need to identify with him. Colossians 2, verse 11. In him you also were circumcised with a circumcision done not by hand, in the stripping away of the body of the flesh through the circumcision of Messiah. You were buried along with him in immersion, through which you also were raised with him by trusting in the working of God who raised him from the dead. When you were dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive together with him when he pardoned us all of our transgressions. We are reminded that we have gone through something that is quite transformative. All of us, male or female, when we came, became believers in Messiah, we underwent a process that changed us Forever, something like circumcision changes a a man's physique slightly forever. And we have all been changed spiritually forever. God has changed us and he has made a difference in our lives. We are marked as his. We are together and forever to follow him. We are his. We were buried along with him. In immersion. And here Rav Shaul brings along the picture of immersion as it happens for us as believers when we take that step, when we go into a mikvah or a body of living water and we are immersed. And as we immerse ourselves, it is a reminder that just as Messiah died, so we are identifying with his death. There can be no life underwater. If we were to stay there, we would die. But we are immersed and also raised, just as he was raised. Figurative burial, figurative resurrection, so that we might always remember how he died for us, but even more, rose from the dead for us. We identify with him because of what he has done, pardoning 
all of our transgressions. And even more so, not only do we focus on him and identify with him, but he brings us along with him in great victory. Because when he was risen from the dead, he triumphed in a mighty and glorious way. And we read this in verses 14 and 15. He wiped out the handwritten record of debts with the decrees against us, which was hostile to us. He took it away by nailing it to the cross. And here Rav Shaul speaks as a Jew about the tradition we have about being written in the book of life or in the book of all living or the book of death. And the tradition is that these books are before the Almighty God, and on the day of Yom Kippur, we have the opportunity to be written in the book of life. And Rav Shaul is saying, you know, there's a great record against us. We have a lot of transgressions that are actually there that are preventing us from being written into the book of life. We have this handwritten record of debts with the decrees against us. And speaking in that way, we are reminded of the very words of the Yom Kippur prayers. Words that say, avert the decree. Because there is a decree against us. All who sin will die. But Messiah has taken this, and he has nailed it to the cross. That is an amazing statement. All of this has been dealt with because of what he has done. And we are free from that condemnation. We are free from that doubt that so many of our people have. Which book am I going to be written into at the end? Where am I going to be? We can know that our record of debts is dealt with and it has been finished. And so disarming the principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in the cross. The Romans were an incredibly cruel people. It's no wonder that our people revolted against them in what became probably the most, um, uh, I guess, difficult war that the Roman Empire had to fight in the first and second centuries, a war that resulted in the disappearance of entire legions from the history books. When a Roman Empire, when the Roman Empire and the Roman armies triumphed over a country, They would take the spoils, as they did with the spoils of Jerusalem, to to Rome. And they would march the captives and they would march the spoils of their victory through the city of Rome. And we can see how great that victory was for them and how difficult to attain that victory was by the fact that in Rome today there stands a huge arch and there's nothing like it called the Arch of, Tri- of, um, of Titus, Titus Arch. And on it we can see that the, the display of the captives and the gold and the artifacts that the Romans took from the city of Jerusalem when they conquered it. 
so long ago. It was an amazing victory, and they put on display all of their spoils. They made a public spectacle of the people of Israel. They made a public spectacle of those 3,000 people whom they crucified on the road to Jerusalem. So everyone would see what happens to those who rebel against the Roman Empire. And they made a a public spectacle out of our Messiah when they crucified him on the cross like a criminal or like a rebel to show that they were the power. But God turned it on its head. They meant the spectacle to show their power. But God took that spectacle of the cross and because that cross was visible to all, because all could see it, People knew that someone had died. The ground shook when Jesus died. When Yeshua gave his life, darkness covered the sky. And this was in the middle of the day. And as it happened, people knew, as the Roman officer said, truly this was the Son of God. Yeshua Yeshua triumphed over the powers of evil in what seemed like the greatest and most humiliating thing that could happen, the greatest disgrace. In that was great power. And it is now, today, that millions of congregations around the world will have a cross in their building because they want to remember what Yeshua did. That sign of disgrace has become a sign of the power of God. Of course, in a messianic congregation, we do not use that because to our people, many have misused it. And many have used that sign as an excuse to persecute our Jewish people. But on the other hand, It is nevertheless a sign of what God has done. So we see God in Messiah as sovereign over all. In the next few verses, verses 16 to 23, we see him sovereign in the commands and the way of life that he gives to us. Colossians 2, verse 16, Therefore do not let anyone pass judgment on you in matters of food or drink or in respect to a festival or new moon or Shabbat. These are a foreshadowing of things to come, but the reality is Messiah. Don't let anyone judge you according to these things. People were being judged in that day. Do you keep the festivals or don't you? And I think he's reaching out Rav Shaul is reaching out to them and saying, in reality, with all of these festivals, the reality is Messiah. When we stand under the shadow of something, we know that something is there. When we stand at a street corner where there is a tall building and we see someone's shadow coming from around the corner, we know that in just a moment we will see the person who is the reality behind the shadow. When Yeshua spoke in Matthew chapter 4 and verse 16, 
about those who live in the land of the shadow of death. He is talking about those who live knowing that they are under condemnation, knowing that death is hovering above them and death is blocking out the light. And he says, upon you, a great light has shined. The light has come around and now they are in light because of Messiah. Rav Shaul speaks about the festivals and how they foreshadow the reality of Messiah. And of course, as Messianic Jews and Gentiles, we are so familiar with the beauty of the calendar that God gave to Israel, God's holy feasts that are for all the world to learn from. Because through every festival, we see God's glory displayed. And in fact, we see the truths of exactly what Messiah Yeshua would do in the future predicted in those very festivals. And it was a mystery to those who celebrated those festivals for over a thousand years. But when Messiah came and he gave his life for us on Passover, when he came as the sinless one, as his symbolized in the Feast of Unleavened Bread, as he rose again on the very day of Yom Habikurim, the Feast of First Fruits, and as the Ruach HaKodesh came upon the early believers on the very day of the Feast of Pentecost, just as the law came to Israel shortly after they arrived at the mountain, according to tradition, on that very day. When we see that these festivals foreshadowed Messiah. We look with anticipation at Rosh Hashanah because when the trumpet resounds, what does it say? It says Messiah is coming. It says Messiah and our God is king and there is no other and all the world will hear it. These festivals are a foreshadowing of Messiah Some of them fulfilled. Some we still wait to be fulfilled. But Rav Shaul says, do not judge one another regarding whether or not we keep these festivals. In verses 18 and following, Rav Shaul speaks about the false realities of our world. Let no one disqualify you by insisting on false humility and worship of angels, going into detail about what he has seen, puffed up without cause by his fleshly mind. He is not holding fast to the head. It is from him that the whole body, nourished and held together by its joints and tendons, grows with a godly increase. If you died with Messiah to the basic principles of the world, Why, as though living in the world, do you subject yourself to their rules? Don't handle, don't taste, don't touch. These all lead to decay with use, based based as they are on the man-made commands and teachings. Indeed, these are matters that have an appearance of wisdom in self-made religion and humility and self-denial of the body, yet none are of any value for stopping indulgence of the flesh." Rav Shaul is concerned that we can get distracted from the main thing that really matters. 
And what really matters is our God and what he has done through Messiah and what he is doing today. We can get distracted by people with their dreams and visions. And Rav Shaul speaks about angels. Obviously, there's a key key issue here in the church in Colossae where people have been worshiping angels. And we can think of the books that people have written about their visions of angels. We can also think of Rav Shaul's very own example, who, when he had had amazing spiritual experiences, was very careful to speak very little about them. Because he didn't want it to be, as he was bringing the good news of Messiah, to be all about his spiritual experiences in heaven and the things that he had seen. He didn't want it to be about himself and what an amazing thing that God would have shown him these things. He wanted it always to be about Messiah. And I think that's a really good lesson for us again, because I'm sure some of us here have had wonderful experiences about, with the Lord. And those things are important to us and should be. But on the other hand, let's keep our focus on our Messiah. He is the one. People can be puffed up without cause by fleshly minds, by these things. It can uh, enable people to really lose perspective. I remember one person who got up before an assembly in Jerusalem Years ago, he had just finished fasting for 40 days, and maybe that had affected his state of mind, but he he seemed to speak with a a type of authority that he did not actually possess. And he he seemed to, um, at the time, be be, uh, maybe distorted in, in the fact that he was seeking to represent that he had seen something spiritual, but took the focus off of Jesus, Yeshua, our Messiah. Now that person is a great great example in that they also made amends. And they dealt with that issue and they turned their focus back to Messiah and went on to serve the Lord in great and wonderful ways. And all of us can make mistakes and, and get our focus off of the Lord sometimes. But Rav Shaul's warning stands. (laughs) Let's not get puffed up by what God might have shown us. We need to hold fast to the head. We need to hold fast to our Messiah. He is the head of our body. He is the head of all believers. And he is the head of this body of believers here today. And so he is the one from whom we take our directions. He is the one whom we seek to serve no matter what our role in this body. He is the one that we love and pay attention to. He nourishes us. The whole body is held together and as we work together under his direction. And so Rav Shaul also instructs us, don't get distracted by other things. We can get distracted by various rules. We have in Judaism many different rules which would fall under the category of uh, the rules of men, as Rav Shaul says in these verses. We have many rules that 
define exactly what you should do every time during the day, exactly how your food should be prepared, exactly who you should touch and how to keep ceremonially pure. And some of our people keep these rules even today, especially in the ultra-Orthodox communities. Very stringent rules. And clearly there were those in Colossae who, whether they were following the rabbinic rules or following rules that other people had for them as well, were saying, don't touch this, don't eat that. And Rav Shaul is saying, do not allow yourself to get distracted from what the main thing is, because Messiah is the end of all things. He is the one. He is the goal to which we are seeking to attain. Keep your eyes focused on him. I think these are important things for us even now as we celebrate the festivals, as we enter a new year, and there are some people who will judge other people on what they eat and don't eat. We need to keep our focus on Messiah, Yeshua. This is where Rav Shaul continues with a a third argument. Chapter 3, verses 1 to 4. Therefore, if you've been raised up with Messiah, keep seeking the things above, where Messiah is sitting at the right hand of God. Now he's giving us instruction how we ought to think, how we ought to transform our minds and our attitudes to the world that we lived in, live in. And this is where I think we can really take positive instruction for ourselves day by day, even today. Because what Rav Shaul is saying is turn your eyes to Messiah, not simply on his life here on earth. And there are some who focus with an inordinate amount of attention on his suffering and on his death, not to focus on that. Although we must always remember what he has done for us. Rav Shaul's already said that. But he says to keep seeking the things above, where Messiah sits at the right hand of God on high. That is a positive and uplifting message. That is something that will help us as believers as we walk through our lives day by day to keep our, our thoughts positive, helpful, and strengthening. We need to focus on him. He is at the right hand of God Most High. What does that mean? It means that he is the one who enacts what God wants enacted. The one who sits at the right hand of the king is the one who does the king's commands and makes sure that the king's commands get done in the world. And Yeshua is the one who is king of kings and lord of lords. He always does what the father tells him as he tells us himself in the book of Yohanan in John. He sits at the right hand of God to bring about God's will on this earth. We are to focus our minds on things above, not on the earth. So when we get discouraged, when we get tired, when we are tempted to look at the terrible state of the world and what are we going to do next, 
when all of these things can drag us down, Rav Shaul says, look upon Messiah Yeshua. Focus your eyes, your mind, on things above, not on things of the earth. So many things can discourage us. There's the news, there's the internet, there's the television, there's books, there's uh, activities and sports and being on the West Coast. We have so many things we can do outdoors. All these things can distract us and discourage us. But Rav Shaul says, in the midst of all those things which can be good in the right, in the, in the right place, focus your mind on things above, not on things of the earth. And that's where I want my mind to be. And I know that's where we all want our minds to be because it will help us to live our lives rightly on this earth and bring glory to God Most High. Yeshua tells us in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 21 that where our treasure is, there will our heart be also. And when we are putting our treasure in heaven, when we are keeping our eyes focused on what things are above and seeking to build our treasure there, that is where our heart will be. Once again, Rav Shaul reminds us of what it is to be immersed in verse 3. You have died and your life is hidden with Messiah in God. And so we are new people. We have been raised with him. And this is our new reality. What a wonderful reality. It brings us to our conclusion. Because the conclusion is that when Messiah, who is your life, is revealed, then you also will be revealed with him in glory. We know that day when Messiah will be revealed, when we will hear the trump, and when we will go to be with him, and when we will join him in the air. That is going to be an exciting, wonderful day. And I really do think it's going to be a shofar and not, um, you know, uh, I'm trying to remember the name of that famous trumpeter, slipped my mind, but uh, it's not going to be someone blowing a, a little bugle. It's going to be the sound of the shofar. It's going to be the sound that brings Israel to repentance in preparation for Yom Kippur. And it's going to be the sound that says Messiah is coming to dwell with us. It is an exciting day that we are looking forward to. And so when we hear the sound of the shofar, we are reminded of those things that are above. We are reminded that God's will should be done in heaven. God's will should be done on earth. And we are reminded to keep our eyes focused on him at the right hand of God most high. Avinu Shava Shamayim, we thank you for your son, Messiah Yeshua, who has come, who has lived among us, who has provided for us salvation, and who will come a day, will come again, and who will bring that salvation to this earth in an amazing way as all the nations come to worship him and recognize his lordship. Father, we say, even so come. Lord Yeshua. Say this in the name of our Lord Yeshua himself. Amen. And we're going to follow the 
order that is in um, this messianic machzor that I am using this morning. A machzor is a prayer book specifically for the High Holy Days. And this is uh, the High Holy Days machzor. And so I'm going to say the blessing that precedes the blowing of the shofar. And then as is customary, I'm going to announce each shofar blowing one by one, and Steve will then blow that particular blast of the shofar. There's three different types of blast. One is the tikiyah, which is a simple, uh, a simple blast. The second is the shevarim, which is three relatively short blasts. And the other one, which is quite difficult and Poor Steve's going to be exhausted by the time we're done. Um, is nine very short blasts of the shofar. And so we're going to go right through the procedure. But as we begin, we say, Baruch atah Adonai Eloheinu melcha olam asher kidshanu b'mitzvotav v'tzivanu lishmoa kol shofar. Blessed are you, Lord our God, King of the universe, who has sanctified us with his commandments and has commanded us to hear the sound of the shofar. And just as we say at the beginning of every festival, Baruch atah Adonai Eloheinu melech haolam shehechiyanu vekimanu vehigiyanu lazman hazeh. Blessed art thou, Lord our God, King of the universe, who has kept us alive and who has sustained us and who has brought us to this season. So the sound of the shofar. Tekiah. Shevarim. Teruah. Tekiah. Tekiah. Shevarim. Teruah. Tekiya, Tekiya, Shevarim, Teruah, Tekiya. Lord our God and God of our fathers, may it be your will that the blowing of the sounds that go forth from the shofar as we give Blast upon it, rise up before your glorious throne. Blessed are you, Master of compassion. Tekia, Shevarim. Tekia, Shevarim, Tekia, Lord our God and God of our fathers, may it be your will that the blowing of the sounds that go forth from the shofar as we blast upon it rise up before your glorious throne. Blessed are you, Master of Compassion. Tekia, Terua Tekia Tekia 
Teruah, Tekiah, Tekiah, Teruah, and the final, Tekiah Gedolah. Lord our God and God of our fathers, may it be your will that the blowing of the sounds that go forth from the shofar as we give blast upon it rise up before your glorious throne. Blessed are you, Master of Compassion. Yehi ratzon milfanecha, Adonai Eloheinu velohe avotenu, Shehat kiot hakolot vehayot im min hashofar. Sha'anu tokiam tokim ya'alu lifne kise kvodecha baruch ata ba'al harachamim amen let's conclude with the ironic benediction the lord bless you and keep you the lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you the lord lift up his countenance upon you give you peace. Ivarechecha Adonai ve'yishmerecha Ya'er Adonai panavelecha v'chunecha Yisa Adonai panavelecha ve'yasehem lecha Shalom